Welcome back to Gaming with Gage, your podcast for role-playing games and the periphery. Thanks for being here. And thank you for joining us during this strange pre-New Year's week where time has no meaning. I hope you're enjoying the holidays. And holidays are a time for family. So this week, my wife Amanda is back on the show for another topic episode. We talked about introducing new players to role-playing games in general, to your group, and to new games and systems. Spoiler, food. Food is a good tactic. As always, we ask that you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And with all of that out of the way, let's jump right in to introducing new players with Amanda Holmes. Welcome back to Gaming with Gage, your podcast for role-playing and the periphery. They, they already heard that part, because that's pre-recorded. Oh. Oh, that's right. You record that separately. I do. I do that separately. Well, it sounds it's different seamless, than <laughs> and like you, like the, it's like the first time you've ever done it. Well, thank you. Mm. My wife, Amanda. Oh, hi. (laughs) We do, we watch, we talk together. And in that, I do intro the show during our recording. Yes. But that's a little easier. You know, there's no guests. It's just you and me. I'm a guest. Well, no, you're a co-host on that show. On this show, you're a guest. I'm considered a co-host on the other show? Mm Mm-hmm. It's a show (gasps) we do together. Oh, I know, but I just thought I was a permanent guest. (laughs) <laughs> no, the closest thing to a permanent guest on Gaming with Gage, you're kind of like. Let's in, be real, in, Chris Hussey. And, Chris Hussey is a Chris permanent Hussey. guest. I was gonna say it's you and Chris Hussey. I would consider the in-house uh, guests. But in the original concept of the show was that I was going to do topic episodes and I was going to record them in bulk with people. So if you go back to season one, there's like three or four that are me and uh, Josh Sabrava, because that was the original idea was that the topic episodes would have like a couple of people who rotated around. And then we went away from topic episodes, and now topic episodes are back. This is a topic episode. It is? Yeah, and I tend to have Chris on a lot because I love talking with Chris, and people love Chris. I have you on a lot because you live here. Because I know so much about <laughs> RPGs. Uh, mainly because you live here, and also every time you're on the show, someone says something about how much they enjoy some aspect of it's having me. you on the show. I'm the anonymous commenter that says that. No, like at the last time it was uh, Ron Blessing on the Discord. He was like, hey, you know, your wife has such a cool voice. Like, does she have her own podcast? And I was like, nope, she just only does it when I make her. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want the responsibility. But this is a topic episode about gaming, your favorite thing in the universe. I mean... Probably. Probably. In which we're going to talk about introducing new players. We're going to be talking about this in three parts. So introducing new players who are completely fresh off the boat, new to gaming. Introducing players who have gamed before but are new to your group. And then introducing players who know you, know your group, but they are learning a new system. That feels like an easy delineation to kind of go through. I love how organized this is. I know. You're always on me about like, you need questions and you need subheadings and you should be sending these out. I'm not always out. on you. When you've asked for feedback, that has been my feedback because I tend to be more of an OCD type. Yeah. And you are a creative, free thinker out of the box. I think that is one of your strengths for the show. And I think that some people probably love your conversational style. I think... It might feel stilted if you took my advice, so. Let's jump into introducing players who are completely new to gaming, which is something that we did for a while. In our tiny, tiny apartment. In our tiny apartment, and even before that, when we gamed at my sister's. But we had this kind of habit of bringing people in and training new players. It felt, for, for a while there, it felt like every month we had someone new. 
And that group ended up being like nine people. It was that group got huge for a little while. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the best practices when you're, when you're talking about this, bringing someone who's never gamed before in? Not an expert, but what we did was we just had people over as kind of a social gathering. And then it was like, well, we're going to come, we're going to hang out. We're going to get together and hang out. And it's going to be all of these people that you love, or maybe some people you love and some people you don't know. And then we're going to play a game after we hang out for a little bit. And we always provided food and there was usually alcohol. So if you want to introduce <laughs> new people to, to gaming, people be in. like, oh, come play this fun game. And they're like, I don't know. I've never really played that before. It seems complicated or like dungeony or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but we're going to have all of these awesome hors d'oeuvres and there's going to be lots of beer. And they're going to be like, sure, I'm in. <laughs> and that's how you lure them in. You hand them a beer, you give them yummy food, and then everyone's sitting around in your living room and you just, you pull out the character sheets and you're like, no, this is great. Everything's going to be fine. And they're like, okay, I'll try it. One of the common things that I have heard the most in that doing that scenario that you're talking about is someone who doesn't want to play, even though they're already there. And it's the thing I think I've heard the most is, oh, I'm not creative enough for that game. So how do you combat that? Well, that's kind of the thing is once they're already there and talking with people, I mean, I'm trying to think of our experience. For the most part, everyone knew everybody else or well, was had, sort of familiar with everyone. So we had Ari is an example of a person. Becca, uh, Stevie. You're just naming names now. Are these people okay with their names being out there? No one knows who they are. I'm, I'm just doing the first names. Um, Leo and Elise, but Elise had played before. and We only got them to really play the one time. I'm just trying to think of people who were new to gaming. But they were can... new to the new to gaming, but they weren't walking into a room full of strangers. There were at least some people that they knew, even if it was just you and I and maybe one other person. And honestly, there's something to be said for, I mean, I didn't really want to play at first. I don't think you should drag people kicking and screaming. If someone says no, you respect it. But if someone just seems kind of hesitant or maybe unsure, I was as well. And so sometimes it's like something that you do is you'll play Dread. And that kind yep. of gets them into a very easy game where you kind of have to play pretend a little bit, which can be really unsettling for people. They're like, oh, I couldn't possibly create a character or use my imagination in that way because it almost sounds childlike. But I think once you've been hanging out for an hour or so, you've been eating and kind of chit-chatting amongst each other you've had a beer or a glass of wine, now you're relaxed, you feel more comfortable. And it, it kind of opens the door to be a little creative or imaginative or silly. And honestly, your game Dread that you always kind of like whip out is, I don't know if you want to explain what that oh, is, Dread but is, a great gateway drug to RPGs, yeah, I think. Dread is definitely something we should talk about in regards to this, because it is my go-to for new people. Uh, I think most people probably know about Dread at this point, but if you don't, it is a horror role-playing game where in the only mechanic is a Jenga tower. And every time you want to do something, you pull a brick, and when the tower falls over, your character dies, if it falls over on your turn. It was originally a free micro RPG, but I think I saw something recently on like Kickstarter or something. So I think the person who made it might have 
gone and maybe added some optional rules or variants oh, or cool. scenarios. Well, and it doesn't... So when you use the word horror, just so people know, it doesn't have to be... It's designed for horror, but you could easily use it for sus- anything where suspense is an element. That's the thing. I think a lot of times for us when we play with people, it's a way to get them to role play and use their imagination, but in a very short, non-intimidating kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be gory or over the top. You know, it's... A lot of times for us when we've played, it's mostly been about suspense. And so horror, you know, whatever comes to your mind, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It often has not been that for us. It's just a way to have this fun, quick, short game that kind of gets you feeling all of the things. Like it gets you invested really, really quickly because it's suspenseful and you have to role play a little bit and kind of get in that headspace. And so for someone who's never played an RPG, it's a really non-threatening way of doing that. Yeah. One of my favorite ways to run it is to ask someone, one person what their favorite movie is uh, or favorite horror movie, but I guess it doesn't, it doesn't have to be horror, and another person to choose a location. And then we go, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but my birthday one year, somebody said uh, 28 days later, and then somebody else said, Disney World. And I don't think they hurt each other. I don't think they did either. Which is so great. Okay, Rage Zombies at one of the most populated places. Cool. This is going to be, y'all are going to die. But yeah, if someone were to say, like just off the top of my head, microsystems are great because they're so easily hackable like that. And Mm -hmm. so like with Dread, if someone said, well, my favorite movie is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, the same thing. It's kids playing hooky, going through all this crazy stuff. But if the tower falls on your turn, you get pinched by the vice principal. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have those options. I agree, though. It's so light. You don't have to worry about a character sheet. You and who doesn't math. have a Jenga tower? That's another thing. It's an easy It's an easy get, like, if you're even not at your house. I have not done this yet, and it is in no means in production. But it is something that I keep thinking about. I want to make a diceless game that is... All of your randomizers is everyone having their own deck of cards. You end up having a hand of five, and then you choose which action you're going to take based on cards in your hand and play for the same reason, that it's like you would have everything you needed to play kind of wherever you were, even if you didn't have all of your dice, and all, you know, because everyone always has a deck of cards. Something rules light, something really easy to get into. Uh, another example might be something like Ten Candles or Terrible. Or if you want to get them used to rolling dice, lasers and feelings, I think that's a good point. Is is rules light systems get just to, you know, give them that first taste, let them get the bug. The two things that I have heard people say who have been a little unsure about getting into RPGs, it's not that we're trying to get them into something that they have zero interest in. Um, Because if someone expresses zero interest, then that's that, like you respect it. But if someone's like, oh, that sounds kind of cool or whatever, or they they like to hear stories about what your group is doing, but then when you're like, oh, you should come play, either they'll say, well, I'm not creative or I'm not imaginative. And so that's the one where they feel uncomfortable role-playing. And then the other one is they are intimidated, particularly with D&D, with the rules. It seems like a lot yeah, too, too complicated. to learn or like, oh, my goodness, how could I possibly fill out a character sheet? I know I felt that way as well at first. And so, yeah, I think that those are really great ways to kind of get them in and go, no, this is actually really, really fun. Why don't you try a simplified form? See if you like it. See if you can kind of get over your concerns and then and then go from there. Bribe them with food and beer and friendship and then slap them with a rules-like game. 
I think is is basically <laughs> easy advice. Always provide food for your people. I agree completely. Now we're introducing someone who knows role playing games. Maybe you met them at a con, or someone from work was like, "Oh, I play D anD D." But you're going to be introducing them to your group. What do you think are some of the best practices there? So I'm trying to think of what Dom suggested because I don't know if he if he really talked about it as a suggestion, but you were talking about you were interviewing him and you were commending them for the chemistry that they have. They play so well together, they play off of each other really yep. well. And it's just like a beautiful thing to watch them role play together. It's just an absolute delight. Anyway, I could just like gush over <laughs> them. But I think one of the things that Dom said in that interview with you was that there are some people that they love or are great role players, like great gamers. Like It's not that there aren't other great options out there for guests, but it really is about chemistry within the group. Which is why we're kicking Shaggy out of our group. And I'm sorry for this thing, the way you found out about this, but, but it's just not working out for us. Uh, but we had a good run. Oh my goodness. You can always keep the, keep, keep the dice, uh, keep the dice case. I don't know. I mean, if you're introducing new players to the group, and so there are probably people, like you said, that you met at the coffee house or at a gaming convention or something like that. Guests be gracious and open-minded, but you won't know until you do it whether or not there's a good dynamic to the group because you could have a, someone who's a lovely person. But So in our current group, we introduced Andrew and Erica this year. And it's crazy. They're delightful. It's crazy to think we've probably only been playing with them for like five months. Really? Maybe six months. Yeah. We have not been playing with them as long as it feels like we have. Like I feel like we've just played with them forever. So one of the things that I did as a GM going into that first game was we had a session zero, which if you're not doing session zero, look, I understand that everyone can have their own way of doing things. But if if you're not running a session zero for campaigns, then... I just, I urge you to look at that again. Well, and this is, that's a great tip for introducing new people to the group. So it gives you that opportunity. And then the second thing is in my session zeros, I don't mandate it, but I do have a point where I say, hey, I think it's great when character backstories tie together. You guys have any ideas for how your characters might know each other already? I think Andrew and Erica are experienced role players and they oh, know sure. how to join a new group because right away they they did no ties together. Because that's always the, the danger because then you end up with clicks. You know, like, well, our characters are, are this and our characters are I that. I think I've done that, yeah. It, it happens. And that has to do with comfort level too. But they're experienced role players, so I didn't have to get even involved. I think you and Erica decided you guys were roommates. Shaggy and Andrew decided that they were brothers. And... Just boom, right off the bat. Now all of a sudden we had a party cohesion. I think because of scheduling and stuff in our first campaign, I think Erica and Rachel didn't get to really interact as much. Mm -hmm. And I think they felt that. And then in our second campaign, they now have this really glued together backstory to give them more time to interact with each other, which I thought was great. And I think that's a testament to, to them just being experienced role players and really knowing how to do it. But I would say that Doing that, session zero, party ties, giving people an in-character reason to be interacting helps. I tend to spotlight new people a lot to the point where I've been made fun of for it. When If there's a new person who's there for a one-shot, my, my entire group tends to look at me and just go like, so what rule book were you running them through? Can we have that? Can we play that Yeah, game? you are their best friend. You are their counselor. You are their... 
brother, their father, their mother, their yeah. Yeah, I I'm a big fan of It's nice though. Putting well, I like people to come back is is always my thought process. You do that, you lull them in, then you <sighs> then you TPK. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's, oh, that's, that's my standard operating procedure. So I would say as a, as a GM, I tend to do that. I think that's so great. And I hadn't even thought of that. And as soon as you said that, I was like away from the mic going, oh my gosh, yeah, that's that's actually such a good suggestion. The, the session zero to kind of talk about what you want to do and where you want to go with the game. And then like your comfort level, things that you don't want in the game at all, things that make you very uncomfortable, what you want your character to be like, how the characters can be connected. You don't jump right into role-playing. You get to discuss with people that maybe you aren't super comfortable around. I I know, especially with us, because we've been playing online now, mm-hmm. it was a lot easier, I think, in person to introduce new people because you're all sitting in the same living room yeah. on a couch together, you know. You can make eye contact. Yeah, know. eating your chips and dip. And so it's it's a little bit easier because then there's there's tone of voice, there's body language, there's facial expressions. It's a little trickier, I have found, because this is my first experience this year, online gaming. If there's sound issues, you cut out, or you start talking yeah. over each other, or you make a joke, and then you're like, gosh, I hope that like landed well, because if you can't see someone's facial expression or body language, sometimes things can get misunderstood. And so it's a little trickier online. So introducing new players to a group, try to do it in person. <laughs> it has been wonderfully successful this year for us, but I think that's just a testament to the kindness and the generosity of the players that we're with. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I'm sure it's like it's got to be so hard because <laughs> I found it a little awkward even at the beginning. So if you can do it in person... Do it in person. Do it in person. <laughs> okay, so keep in mind party chemistry. And in person. Be willing to let that go if it doesn't work you might have really great role players and a group of great role players if they don't work together you'd be willing to admit that yeah if you it's can okay to to say hey you know what you guys are great but this doesn't really work for me mm-hmm. if you can do it in person if not <laughs> uh session zero yeah. is is a big one to take that time to really feel everything out and make sure everyone understands what everyone's looking for and then also in-character ties, background ties, to give people a reason to interact to Mm -hmm. avoid that clicking up mentality. Now we have people that you game with, but you are introducing them to a new system. You probably have the most experience out of anyone I know on this. So what would you recommend? I don't expose people to new systems. I am the one that's being exposed to new systems. <laughs> and so with I, that, I was being tongue-in-cheek. Oh, okay. Because you never I'm, run games. <laughs> I, yeah, I played D&D until you, ex- until you introduced me to Savage Worlds, and then once I played Savage Worlds, it's like, I was like, I don't want to play anything else. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have some experience with this. I, I've been called a Savage Worlds evangelist because I attempt to convert people. Two Savage Worlds. Odd terminology, but okay. That is the terminology that the the hobby uses. (laughs) Um, Oh, wow. Okay. So this is something that a lot of people, specifically with Savage Worlds, and I'm sure other people deal with because the big daddy in the room is D&D. The market share that D&D has is far and above what everyone else has. So the odds are if you're playing with someone who hasn't played your game before, they have at least played D&D. There's two camps, which is introduce them with fantasy because it's what they know. And then there's introduce them with something as far away from fantasy as possible so that you don't deal with the incessant comparisons. I tend to fall in the go as far away from po- as possible. 
And there's some obvious stuff that I think everyone kind of knows. Pick something that highlights what that system does well. In Savage Worlds, Savage Worlds is amazing for doing high action, like action movie stuff. One of my favorite things to do is Zombie Apocalypse because I think it's really easy. It's really quick. You don't have to worry about details so much. And it's very action movie-esque. And it highlights what a lot of the system does well. If I was going to be running something like Shadowrun, what do I want to highlight when I'm doing Shadowrun? Probably that you get to roll a ton of dice. And that's what's fun about Shadowrun is just rolling buckets and buckets of dice and trying to get them into the setting as quickly as possible since that's one of the big selling points. Andrew is running us through L5R. And what he has done is he started us off with a small combat so that we could get a feel for that system. We went right into an intrigue and we are very much immersed in politics that we can take to the fighting swing your sword D&D style of play if we felt like that's what we wanted to do. But I think most of us wanted to try and explore this whole subsystem of L5R that is built around intrigue and scheming and all of that kind of stuff. So he built an adventure, or I don't know if it's a publisher, if it's one he wrote, but that is around that and showcases that. So that seems simple, but just showcase the system that you are introducing people to. I go back and forth on pregens. I tend to really love pregens myself, and I think if you're doing a one-shot, it should completely be pregens all the way, 100%. Then you know everything that's on their sheet, so you can answer all of the questions for them. If it's a campaign, even a shorter campaign, I don't know. Because on one hand, I think pregens are still smart, but I feel like people get more invested when you make when they make their own character. Well, there's strengths and weaknesses to both, like you just mentioned. And so it really depends on the person. I mean, if you're trying to get someone to play Savage Worlds for the first time, you're going to want to pick a setting maybe that is far away from fantasy. Maybe they are Star Trek fans. And so you're going to do some kind of space odyssey because it's something that's kind of in their interest, like their wheelhouse anyway. And so that will get their interest. And then if they seem completely shy and reluctant and overwhelmed at the idea of creating a character because they just absolutely insist, I'm not creative, I'm not creative, or and you're, and you're just sitting eating your chips and dip and it's kind of like something that is spontaneously suggested, then maybe grab your pregens. But if you think, man, this person's really creative, they just need a little help getting started. And you're like, all right, well, let's look at the book. How about this kind of character? How about this kind of character? And then all of a sudden, because we've seen it happen with people where they just need a little bit of help, a little bit of coaxing. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I want my character to be this way and this is going to be her backstory and she's going to be so cool and I want her to have this kind of a weapon and this is what she looks like and then they're looking on Pinterest for (laughs) pictures to show you exactly what their character looks like and they're hooked and they're into it. 100%. And there's something you touched on there briefly that I do just want to go back to. On top of showcasing the system, also communicate with the players and find out what they're interested in. This is what you were brushing on, which is because, because you could be like, I'm going to showcase X area of this and they're going to love it like we are going to go so hard into being monster hunters and it's going to be like an act like for savage worlds i could easily lean into that man they're going to be mowing through monsters getting to the big bad and all this stuff thinking that they want like that kind of a game when they might want more like a supernatural kind of a game where yeah you're going to take down the monster but there should also be a love interest there and if there's not a love interest there should be something that like they're going to care about uh different things so 
I mean, if you can, session zero for that too. I'm big on session zeros. I don't know <laughs> if I've made that abundantly clear this episode, but I think that's a good one. Um, and also food. Like we said before, when, when you can bribe people with food and alcohol. Yeah, it's like, would you would you be interested in trying Savage Worlds? Here, have some meatballs and pigs in a blanket and let me pour you a glass of red wine. I don't know. Like, those probably <laughs> don't also, go together. And also, I have bourbon. <laughs> yeah, by the way, like, we're not suggesting that you get people drunk or or any, have anything wild. It's just, yeah, we I don't find... don't drink anywhere near... I just find yeah. that, like, munching on some yummy food and having a comforting glass of wine or something like that, just, I think it helps people kind of relax and settle in. It happens like you see that in social situations a lot of social interaction revolves around or centers around food and so why not with gaming like give people full stomachs and happy hearts and then suggest a really fun game of imaginative play and i think that's a great way to wrap it up if you guys enjoy listening to myself and amanda on microphones together you can check us out on patreon.com slash gaming with gauge for five bucks a month. You get access to we watch, we talk, which is a monthly as of now that can change based on goals, a monthly podcast, Patreon exclusive podcast where we watch a movie and we talk about it. We started off going through all we of the argue of the about Rings, it. So, yeah. <laughs> someone did. Someone from the Patreon did say that we should rename it. We watch, we fight. Um, he said, your marriage sounds healthy, but there's a lot of tension there. Uh, we just disagree about main characters and and things of that nature. One of us is right, and the other one is Amanda. Anyway, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went there. Wow. So you're so much nicer on this show. <laughs> I save it for that one. They've got to pay money if they want to see the dark side. <laughs> we just uh, finished doing The Lord of the Rings, the film trilogy. It was so much fun. It was awesome. The next one we're doing is The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I think we're going to Galaxy finally... Quest. No. I think we're finally... Galaxy Amanda's Galaxy fighting Quest. this. We Galaxy are going Quest. to start all nine of the Star Wars That's films. a huge commitment. We are I not feel like going to I do... should make vows or something. I know. But we're the plan is, and we can go into this in more detail at a later date, the plan as of now is to do episodes one, two, three, and then do a break. So a different movie. So Galaxy Quest. One, two, three, Galaxy Quest. Four, five, six, career opportunities. Literally anything else but Star, <laughs> but Star Wars. Wars. And then seven, eight, nine. And then we'll be done. And we won't do Rogue One or Solo or any of that because I think you'll be Star Wars out at that point. But I like Star Wars. I know. I'm just I I guess I'm not a true fan because I there has not been enough time in between. Nine for movie, me. The, my thought process is nine movies split up like that with with a, a random movie that should be unless again unless we hit goals and the show goes uh, to it's almost a whole year monthly or weekly that will be our whole year. But what if your Patreon supporters, you know, heaven forbid, they don't enjoy Star Wars? Now they have a whole a whole year of having to listen to us talk about Star Wars. Well, Patreon backers actually, uh, Patreon supporters actually do have access to an exclusive channel in the Discord, and they can let me know there. And if so people guys, are like, "Hey, we don't want that," then we can revolt. You know, we can replace it. We can do a year of John Hughes movies instead. Do I wait a minute? Do I have access to that? Yeah, but it shows up with your name, so I know it's you. Oh. Anyway, thank you, everyone. Uh, Thank (laughs) Thank you, Amanda, for sitting down and talking with me yet again. And uh, we all will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gaming with Gage. 
If you have ideas for upcoming guests, want to chat with the cast, or a chance to play in some of our games, you can find our Discord link in the show notes. You can also find the show at facebook.com slash gamingwithgage, and on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at GamingWGage. Your support makes this show a reality week after week. One of the best ways to help out is to leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We read all of them, and sometimes we even read them on the air. We look forward to hearing from each and every one of you, but until then, we'll see you next week.